Hey folks, just a quick note here. We typically run a few weeks ahead here at A New Angle, meaning our episodes are recorded, edited, and finalized sometimes several weeks in advance. It's kind of a necessity of our operating model. Remember, this is essentially a side gig for me and Soundmaster Jeff Meese. But I feel compelled to interject this bit of public commentary. We sit at the onset of the coronavirus crisis here in western Montana. As I record this on Sunday, March 15th, I'm not even sure what today, Tuesday, March 17th, will actually look like. If we use statistics from China, Italy, and Washington State as a guide, we're in for a difficult time, a time likely no one in our community is really prepared for. I say this because what's ahead is something most likely entirely different from anything any of us has ever experienced. I'm hopeful and confident that our leadership will rise to the moment, but it's going to take more than that. It's going to take collective vigilance and action from all of us. Please keep yourselves informed and take seriously the recommendations of public health officials. Overreaction at the individual level is not necessarily a bad idea at this moment. Anyway, I thought long and hard about whether or not to keep the podcast going. Though many of the topics we cover on this show are serious, they might seem somewhat trivial in the midst of this crisis. For now, I'm going to keep episodes rolling, particularly those which we've already produced. I certainly understand if you're not interested or not paying attention right now, so feel free to skip to other things or come back sometime in the future at a more settled time. Be well. I wish you all the best. Thanks for being a part of this new Angle family, and let us know if there's anything we can do to help. And now back to regularly scheduled programming. I hold a lot of um, empathy for everything and sadness for things, and I feel like music is a way that I can redirect that energy. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot. Hey, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Okay, this week's episode is one I am really excited about, but it does require some setup. Many listeners ask me how I find guests for the show. Well, here's a classic example of how things often randomly come together. About a year ago, I participated in a panel discussion at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival's Doc Shop. The panel was titled The Art of Sound, and it included a real sound expert, Heidi DeBose, the owner of Digital Sorcery. After the panel, Heidi and I kept in touch, and she introduced me to a young musician she was working with, Maya Wynn. I was intrigued by Maya's sound and her story, and we set up a time to record this interview during her recent visit to Missoula. Maya is an inspiring young woman. She wrote her first song at age 7, started performing live here in Missoula at age 15, and is now, a few short years later, winning major recording and performing awards all over the country. In this conversation, Maya gives us an inside look into the world of an up-and-coming musician. It's a story of creativity and hustle, and I was inspired by the poise and passion of this amazing young woman. Excited for you to learn more about Maya and hear some of her music right now. Anyway, we're here today with Maya Wynn. Maya, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I think we can claim you as a, as a Missoula musician, right? Definitely. Hellgate High School graduate? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to get started here. We're set up for a sort of a live performance here in the studio. I'm going to let you get ripping with uh, a song you recently <laughs> won an award for. Tell us about that a little I bit. I did. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of amazing things that happened. I could honestly talk about it for hours. Um, but the long story short is... 
They had a song contest for the Apollo 11 50th anniversary celebration. And uh, you had to write a song about space travel. Uh, and I wrote a song and it ended up winning. I got to go to the Space and Rocket Center um, in Alabama and perform for the astronauts and their families and won a bunch of awards and other amazing things like recording at Fame Studios. And it was an amazing experience. But yeah, this is that song. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear it. Cool. This is Show the World. It's a great big world And there's a little girl With a bright and beaming mind She dreams of flying high Just like Apollo 69 And breaking through that hardened sky One day she will show the world she has no fear soaring far beyond the stratosphere A modern day rocket man I know she can change the world Rocket girl And there's a little boy with space explorer toys Who dreams of going to the all of its craters like a human calculator wishing he could visit someday soon one day he will show the world he has no fear soaring far beyond the stratosphere a modern day rocket man I know he can blaze a trail and rock this world Astronauts on the TV The ones from 1969 Making steps for all mankind Remember when they showed the world They had no fear Soaring far beyond the stratosphere The original rocket men They showed the a trail and change this world for the modern day rocket man I know he can blaze a trail and rock this world she's a modern day rocket man I know she can change the world rocket girl that's awesome <laughs> Thank I, should, you. I, should, I feel compelled to clap but I, it will not come through the microphones all that well Thank you. How long did it take you to write that song? Not very long. I am. Um, you probably were under a time constraint with the competition. I was. I and I was nervous because I didn't think I was going to have time to enter. And I always get sidetracked with projects. Sure. Um, and so I wasn't sure I really wanted to do it. It, it was a really cool contest. But um, I decided I was going to do it. And I just took some time to sit with a guitar. And I had plans to watch movies about space and, and the Apollo 11 missions, and I didn't even get that far before I wrote the song. It was just suddenly poured out of me. It just came out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so what's what's the plan now with a song like that? Like, record it and get it on an album and, like, all yeah. those big steps. Yeah. Yeah. I actually I got to record the song at Fame Studios while I was in Alabama for the contest, and um, it was an amazing experience. Fame Studios is 
legendary yeah. in the music world. Um, Rolling Stones, The Beatles, Aretha Franklin, so many incredible musicians that are part of music history that recorded there, and I got to record there as well. And so I just felt like this tiny little little fish in a giant sea of amazing, talented musicians, and I felt really special to just be in that space. I want an opportunity. All the people yeah. you met and the exposure you worked to, that's got to be really exciting. It was extremely exciting. Yeah. So was that the easy part or the hard part? Ooh, that was definitely the hard part. Talking is easy. <laughs> yeah, usually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Maya, you were in the midst of like this series of award-winning performances, recording songs. On your like, It seems like you're in this stage of your career where like you're about to pop big time. Does it feel that way? Oh, I hope so. I, I, it's, it's hard to get your hopes up because it's never a promised thing, you yeah, know. So yeah. you want you want it to happen, and I hope for it to happen, but you never know. And you've been at this a long time. You started performing live what at age fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So seven years now, almost eight years. It's crazy to me. How did you kind of summon the courage to to want <laughs> to do that? I think when I was younger, I <laughs> I was a lot more confident than I am now, huh. which is funny. Um, but 15-year-old me was <laughs> very confident. I was uh, a very outwardly weird person. So it didn't – I did get nerves, but I, um, I think I was just comfortable in my own skin, and, and that included singing and, and performing and making mistakes. And I definitely have made, made a lot of them on stage and mm-hmm. uh it, it's allowed me to grow and, and sort of continue this path because it is a, it's a challenge to get up in front of people and perform yeah unbelievable now were you writing your own songs right from the start yeah i wrote my first song in seventh grade uh for it was for a, an art thing and i didn't want to paint something i wanted to write a song okay so I wrote a song I they didn't know what to do with it because it was sort of for an art submission from the school I broke the rules and I wrote a song (laughs) they're like this is great but this is not at all what we were hoping to get (laughs) it's funny I do this little uh, you're you're catching me sort of right toward the end of the semester and and I have this like little shticky Justin's rules of business and one Mm -hmm. of the things we talk about is like if you're going to break the rules you got to do it really 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 well Right, yeah. like breaking the rules in such a way that's boring. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. You right. probably get in trouble, but it sounds like you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> breaking the rules, doing something different, but blowing away people's expectations. Yeah, I, well, I hope so. I mean, seventh grade me would be so happy that you're saying that. <laughs> um, I hope so. It was definitely it was exciting for me to have the opportunity to write a song for something, and um, it sort of blossomed into a lot of different songs. Sure, and started performing here around town in yeah. high school, the Top Hat, the Badlander, all the local yeah. spots. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. What was it like kind of grinding it out as a, as a, as a high schooler? It was fun. It was, it was, there was a weird juxtaposition between going out and playing these shows and then going to a school because I had just moved here um, when I was 15. So my junior year, I actually went to Loyola okay. um, for one year, and I didn't really know anybody I was sort of known as the weird girl that did music. And it felt like two different worlds. And I remember there was one show I did at a coffee shop, and they were having an art display nearby with a lot of the students from the school's art. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of kids from that school, and they all came to the show. And that was like the first time those two worlds had combined for me. You found your people. Yeah, and it was really cool to see that they did um, support it. And 
I started to make more friends after that. But up until that point, it it felt like I was living in two different worlds, pursuing this dream of music and then going to the school and trying to, you know, navigate high school, which is always a challenge, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you came here, you went to Loyola for one year, and yeah. then switched to, to Hellgate for your senior year. Yeah. And, and I Even, actually... That's just yeah. hard. <laughs> Even if you're like quarterback of the football team, yeah. that's hard to move around. Yeah. I only went to Hellgate technically for one day before I did the online classes. Oh. Um, and I interned for uh, actually Troy's sound company, and I, I mm-hmm. learned how to do sound for film. Um, so I was working and, and doing my online classes that last year um, and pursuing music. And I think that was the same year I went to, or maybe it was the year after I went to Sundance and I got to do a feature performance at Sundance, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I was really working hard to pursue these dreams from a young age and still trying to finish school and navigate, navigate school and do a good job because there's that side of me that I come from a family of math professors and engineers and okay. so I, there's yeah, still yeah. that part of me that's like no I need to do a good job and make sure I'm getting good grades but I still really wanted to do music. Yeah so you knew kind of in that in that time that music was going to be your career pursuit? Yeah I was really really hoping for it and I I wasn't really making it a, a debate at that point i was like no sure. this is what i'm You're doing all in. yeah i was all in for sure and how did that opportunity to go to sundance come up come about that was through the montana film office okay um, they have a a sort of party for the montana film office at sundance mm-hmm. um and i got to play there for that party and um i just remember people talking about all the famous people that they just saw walking down the street and yeah. how nervous I was and somebody said that oh yeah selena gomez was was in there for like <laughs> two minutes i didn't I was so nervous, but it was so exciting at the same time. And I, it was the first time I went and bought clothes specifically to look fashionable. Okay. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, you got to look first. the part down there, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but like winter fashion, I, yeah. I don't even know. I fancy got, boots yeah, and all fancy that. Fancy boots and some cool sweaters. And that was actually one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, and we ended up in this crazy scenario where we were hanging out with a group of very well-known people like Tegan and Sarah and okay. um, Kristen Stewart and Clea Duvall. And somehow we ended up in this group of people. And I was so nervous because I there every part of me was screaming, you know, you don't belong right. here. Imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know why. And we were in this sectioned off area. And it was my first time hanging out with anybody famous. And um, there was people taking pictures. And I felt so, it was the coolest experience. And so, of course, after that, it was just, I... That was the story I was telling to people for like three years because it was the coolest thing I'd ever gotten to experience. And you were kind of right there in the mix, rubbing elbows with these other people. And, you know, it's funny, that story reminds me of a story we had on the podcast previously from John Pierce, a songwriter, saying he just sort of was playing music around Bozeman. And he showed up at this party and it happened to be at at this guy named Costas's house. Costas is famous songwriter lives in Belgrade and Nashville, and, and Costas just looked at him and said, what the hell are you doing in Bozeman? <laughs> so it sounds a little similar. Like you find yourself yeah. in this group at Sundance, and it makes you feel like maybe you belong. And accumulation yeah. of these experiences have to be helping with your, your confidence and your craft. Absolutely, absolutely. And and especially seeing that people like that, like, you know, musicians I looked, look up to, like Tegan and Sarah, they were wonderfully kind and gave me advice. And you, it's very clear that they're just regular people Mm -hmm. you know there's the facade of of fame and everybody has this idea of what someone's going to be like when you meet them and when you meet them you realize oh they're just really 
regular people, you know, and they're really kind and um, easy to talk to, and they just have a lot more weird things to deal with in their life <laughs> than the average person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence, and it was cool to sort of get a taste of what the future might be like you yeah. know, if I keep working towards things, and um, I feel like I'm, I'm making my way towards that. Um, and I keep getting little glimpses of what those those worlds are like. Sure, maybe tell us a little bit about that chronology. So, what happens after Sundance? And, and you yeah, know, you leave high school. At what point do you move to Portland? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I actually moved to Butte for a year. Okay. Um, I don't remember why. Yeah, that's not uh, like the typical <laughs> uh, as a musician would draw it up. Yeah, I'm gonna go from Missoula to Butte, but but yeah. I'm really glad that we did. I was only I wasn't there for very long. Um, I think originally we had we had maybe plans to um, to work on some projects there because there's so many beautiful buildings and yeah. spaces that you can do a lot of things with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a lot of friends in Butte. But we weren't there for very long before. Um, uh, so Heidi is my, my manager yep. and a really good friend of mine. And um, she got a, a really great opportunity in Portland. And um, she's been helping me with my music career. And I, I couldn't do this without her and without Troy and they've done so much for me and they got this opportunity in Portland and and she invited me to come you know be their roommate come okay to Portland and uh I I said yes because it's such a great music city and there's so many opportunities there and it seemed like a, a good step forward um and it's been great and there's a huge music community in Portland um but after that I I've won quite a few awards I won yeah. an international music contest called claim to fame mm-hmm. um and that took me to la and i got some mentorship opportunities and that led me to andy curran who i'm working on an ep with a, it's a collaborative ep with him and alex lifeson from rush um which is crazy um, yeah. so that led me into some really cool circles of people um and i've just been working on a lot of collaborations with uh really amazing musicians and i've been touring a lot more growing my fan base working on my own music writing, um, and just taking every opportunity that I can without getting too (laughs) sidetracked. Yeah. So like these awards and you've accumulated a lot of them. We'll talk about some of them, the claim to fame in particular. So something like that happens. It's not only this award and there's some cash and that's all exciting, (laughs) but there's also like, didn't it put you into this, this coaching opportunity with the American Idol folks and some some yeah, like definitely. some stuff that's really going to develop you as a musician I would think. Exactly. Yeah, no, I got to to have um sort of a mentorship and coaching session with some of the American Idol um vocal coaches and music coaches and that was a really amazing experience and getting to sort of see the behind the scenes of what a lot of those those artists are doing to protect their voices, to develop their sound and um, how they listen to a song and, you know, the the changes they'd make to make it better. And um, it was really cool to get that opportunity to sort of start seeing things from those different different perspectives of yeah, people w- in the industry. Could you tell me something about that? Like I, I when you're saying protect their voices and protect their yeah. sound, <laughs> and, and I think about it like the only thing I can think about is like as an athlete, like I'll pay attention to recovery, like run a race and, you know, ice my legs or something like that. Yeah. Right? But like, how does it work with a vocalist? It's it's similar. Um, you want to stretch out your vocal cords before you're using them. Huh. And I haven't been doing, if I'm being honest, I haven't been doing a great job of it on this tour. Um, but you want to warm up your voice. And, sure. you know, there's a lot of silly warm-ups out there. I think a lot of people make 
make jokes about them because they are silly and you feel silly doing them, but they're fun, funny sounds that you make with your voice, but it does help stretch out those muscles. Um, You're begging me to yeah. put you on the spot, Maya. <laughs> uh, there's like, um, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of really weird ones, but there's like the lip buzzy things, the okay. kind of silly good. ones. Um, and then there's sirens and you go from the top of your register to the bottom and like, <laughs> kind of things. There's yeah. some other weird ones that people do that I don't do, but there's, they get kind of aggressive and weird and they do tongue twisters. And some people are really, they have a very strict um, warm up routine they do and uh, people will do them. I, I've read about musicians doing them on the subways in New York City and you just have to get used to being weird in front of people because it's part of part of the gig i guess well it makes it makes total sense though i mean yeah. it's, a, it's you're getting ready for a performance that uses yeah. your body you see athletes do it all the time and we don't sort of make fun of them but like you watch what football players and basketball players are doing on the field yeah. or the court before the game they look pretty darn silly that's true yeah um that's interesting so as you've sort of i mean you're still young right but eight years into this yeah you know, you got to take care of this. This is your voice is your money maker, right? Like, yeah, it, and it's the only voice you have for the rest of your life, too. Outside of that, like, yeah. Not only so the the, the warming up, and I don't want I don't need to make this a podcast about your voice, but <laughs> like, what do you do to preserve it? Like after a show, do you kind of? Yeah, I think I drinking I'm, green tea now. So yes, that's part of uh, it. tea is definitely important. Um, honey is really good for your throat. Um, taking vocal rest which is really challenging for me um, because it's so important. Communication, you don't realize how important communication is until you can't really communicate the way that you're used to. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to go long periods of time without talking. And when you're on tour and you're working with people and interfacing with people, um, so that's a, a huge challenge. And you're, and especially when you're talking with fans after the show, you can't really, you know, you, you, have, to, um, you have to talk to people. Yeah. Uh, so it's really hard, but... A really important part of that is taking vocal rest and t- spending as much time as possible between shows not talking mm. um, as I'm talking about that. But um, <laughs> here we are in a podcast. Now I feel terrible. No, Let's wrap it up. <laughs> a New Angle is brought to you by First Security Bank and Blackfoot, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. This is John Twiggs with Montana PBS, and you're listening to A New Angle. That's enough. I'll just talk the rest of the time. <laughs> no, nobody wants to hear that. Um, but yeah, um, honey, uh, there's lots of different... Everybody has their own sort of, um, I, I guess, medicinal practices that they use. And um, what works for everybody is a little bit different. But there's there's lots of vocal warm-ups, warm-downs, cool-downs, I guess. Um, and just getting yourself in a place where you're relaxing the muscles in your neck, yeah. too. Because it can get really tense um Mm -hmm. especially in the shoulder and neck area and that affects your vocal cords and there's a lot that you can do to sort of protect those a lot of a lot of singers get vocal nodes you know uh, and some of them have to have surgery Mm. um and that can be really scary because it changes the way it's it's muscle memory so much of singing is muscle memory so if something changes in there you know what used to feel like a c is now a C sharp, and you're singing everything sharp all of a right. sudden because everything's a little wonky. A little off, yeah. Um, 
or some people lose their voices for periods of time and that can be devastating for for singers because that's their that's their one tool that they have and that's their life so mm-hmm. it's important and i'm still learning how to take better care of mine um as i said i haven't been doing well that probably job. like most people <laughs> right like you'll start paying attention more as you get yeah. older <laughs> and blah 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 you know yeah. the typical thing um Let's talk about the Battle of the Bands, right? Because yeah. you, what, play second in the KX, KEXP? Yeah. Battle of the Bands. I mean, I used to, when I lived in Seattle, I used to love that event. Yeah. Tell us that, about it. Oh, that was such an amazing experience. Um, so the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle puts on this 18 and under, no, 21 and under um, Battle of the Bands because they want to support up-and-coming musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's open to anybody in the Northwest um, and I entered, I saw an advertisement for it, and I thought it sounded really cool. And I entered, and they only select 12 each year. And they have a panel of people that, that select the musicians for yeah, each year. Yeah, what's the entry process like? Do you have to send in a demo or something? Yeah, you send in music, pictures, a bio, a little bit about you, what makes you different than okay. other people. Um, it, which is, it's, it's hard. It's hard to write a bio to begin with, but especially yeah. it's hard to talk about what makes you unique. Because who knows? Yeah, what was your pitch? <laughs> what did you say made you different? I don't even. I don't even remember. I mean, I wear, I wear butterfly wings when I perform, so that's something. But that's not really music related. That's just something that makes me weird. I think. <laughs> I don't know if it makes you weird, but it, it's certainly something that breaks through. Yeah, it's it's. Because now I'm thinking of it. Like I want to go see Maya perform to see the butterfly wings. <laughs> yeah, we have some new ones that light up. It's pretty pretty cool. Um, but I think that was part of it and just about, uh, how many different genres my music spans, you know, in that one set that I performed during that battle of the bands, I played a rock song, a folk song. Um, I, I played a different instrument for every song. I played the drum kit for one song. I played, you know, um, a guitar, banjo, ukulele, keyboard, drum pad. I was playing more than one. I, one song I played four instruments at the same time, Wow. you know, um, so I think a lot of those things stand out um, when you're in a world full of extremely talented musicians. Um, but yeah, I think that all of those things were part of my pitch. I Sometimes I write those things and submit because you never expect to get into things like that. Mm-hmm. And I had completely forgot that I submitted to it when I got the email when they're like, hey, you're in, you know, congratulations. And I forgot that I even submitted <laughs> to it. Because I, I try to forget because I don't want to get my hopes up yeah, for things. Yeah, and so exactly. it's always this amazing surprise that I, I, I was chosen for this, this really cool contest. And it was an amazing experience. They're, they're doing a lot to support up-and-coming musicians in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see. Talk about the decision to become talented at so many different instruments. <laughs> I mean, what, what drives that? Um, that's a good question. I think I sort of became obsessed almost a addicted to learning instruments um i taught i taught myself guitar and then uke and then mandolin and um i took lessons for piano when i was really young and i found a passion for it through that and um i had never really thought about teaching myself anything until i came across this old guitar that my dad had that he never played or never learned how to play and Mm -hmm. um i kept stealing it and uh teaching myself songs on it and you know by that point there there were already tutorials on youtube and now it's just they're everywhere it's it's so easy it's easier than ever to learn how to play an instrument and being able to just look up online how do i play this instrument and there's thousands of videos showing you what to do 
Um, it became this sort of addiction almost because it was so exciting to learn and it felt really fulfilling to learn something new um, and something that allowed me to express myself in a new way. And so I just kept going and, um, you know, I, I asked for an instrument every year for my birthday, sure. something else, you know. Yep. This year I want drums, this year, I, uh, you know, I want a, a ukulele, this year I would like this weird instrument, this dulcimer. Um. <laughs> and are, 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 is there a pressure to focus or is there, are your parents and support systems saying, oh yeah, sure, try this, try that? Like, how's that working? Yeah, I think uh, most of my family isn't super musical, especially my immediate family. Um, and I think there's sort of, you know, uh, where my brother was asking for like the newest iPod, I was asking for, you know, a drum kit. And, you know, yeah. like at that point, they're like the same price. You can get this beginner's drum kit for... Um, I think they got me one for like a hundred bucks and, um, you know, so it doesn't make a difference to them. It's like, it's more like price points. Okay. Like we just got to make it even sure. get your brother, just the manage thing, equity, the one big thing for your brother, the one big thing for you. And, right. um, it's, it's nice because there are pretty cheap beginners instruments that you can find. And, um, yeah, I, I think it was easy for them to support it because I was, you know, I wasn't out partying or doing anything crazy i was just spending hours and hours mm-hmm. <laughs> by myself making loud noises on the drums and different instruments it seems like a totally healthy investment yeah for exactly family. absolutely I think so I think job well done yeah <laughs> do you get any pressure in the industry you know as you're trying to sort of break in as, as a performer trying to get a record deal any of that stuff like are people saying hey you got to focus on this or do people just embrace it like oh yeah you can do everything you're so versatile oh definitely i get there's a lot of pressure and the the problem is everybody has differing opinions on things so you go to one person who's been in the industry for years and they have these specific opinions on you know you got to focus on these things and and you should be doing this you should be signing to a small label and and releasing a record and doing these things and then you talk to somebody else who's been in the industry for a while but they're um, a little bit younger and they're like no that's you know, that's the past. Mm. You got to focus on this, the new industry and you got to work on EPs, release something every month. You got to focus on your your brand, your image, your Instagram, yeah. follow all the new stuff. And there's so much pressure to be on top of everything all at once, to do everything. And, um, you know, there's there's people who want you to fit into a specific genre. They want you to be easily definable because it's easier to market. And then there's people who want you to do everything because you're more likely to get successful if you're mm-hmm. everywhere at once. And um, so it's it's hard because I, I want to do the, the thing. I want, I want to do the right things and, and make the, right, the smart moves, but it feels like it's really hard to know which one is the right one, and it feels like you're constantly guessing. Yeah, and then within that, like, you're trying to do art. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and so how do you reconcile that? It's easy to lose track of the art um, within marketing and planning mm-hmm. and the business side of things. I've learned a lot about the business side of things, and I, I've tried to, I've, I'm recognizing that more in myself now that I overthink because I, I, I've been taught how to overthink about everything yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard not to overthink, and I catch myself now, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing that thing. And now I, I'm getting better at coming back to my heart and following my heart because I've noticed that I can overthink and overanalyze things to death um, for days and never come up with a solid answer for anything. But if I follow what I want to do, I know I will be happy with mm. it in the end. I'll, I will 
go back to that recording, I'll go back to that choice and think, oh, I did the thing that I really was passionate about and wanted to do in that moment. So that's sort of my my plans right now is to try to think about the business side of things, but also throw it away at the same yeah. time, which is hard. <laughs> I mean, that seems like pretty good clarity, right? Like staying yeah. true to yourself and putting yourself in the care of, of good people. Yes. Help you make smart decisions, Heidi and Troy in that group. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think that's probably all you can hope for. Yeah. Um, so I want to be respectful of your time and protecting your voice, oh. but I do <laughs> want to ask you about this big deal that's coming up in the, yeah. in the near future. You are going to be performing at Mopop's Founders Award. That, uh, you know, this, yeah. this award that they're giving to Brandy Carlisle. How did that come to be? How do you get selected for something like that? And how do you feel about it? Oh, I'm so excited. And it, it so that came about through the competition that I was in uh, through Mopop and KEXP. And they sort of have this archive of young musicians. And each year at the Founders Awards, they highlight one of those young musicians that they've sort of helped propel into the spotlight. Um, and I think it just, they, they try to find people that match the musical vibe of the evening. Mm -hmm. And sort of, I don't know what, what the process is for them to choose because there's so many talented musicians. Yeah. And I'm sure it has to be really challenging to choose just one and they didn't choose just one they chose me and I made two friends in that competition who I hadn't met before but they were also from Oregon um, and they're a female rock duo called Dreadlight and we've been collaborating a lot and they've okay. become some of my closest friends and um, they saw some of the collaboration videos we were doing and they were like we want both of you so we're performing as a trio. We're doing one of their songs, one of my songs, and then we get to cover one of Brandy's songs, which is super oh, nerve-wracking. Yeah. It's exciting, but it's also performing somebody's song to them. I can't you know? even imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm really, um, I want to make sure it's really good. You so know? you're performing it to Brandy while she's there to win this major yeah. award. Wow. That's a moment. Yeah. And, and I'm super excited. We, we are hopefully going to get to meet her and... Um, She's just such an inspiration, and she's such a huge advocate for so many amazing things and for um, lifting up female voices and um, an advocate for the LGBT community. And mm -hmm. she's, just, she's just a beautiful person, um, not to mention, obviously, incredibly talented. So it's, I'm incredibly excited for the opportunity to get to perform in front of her and, and possibly meet her. So, yeah, that's super exciting for awesome. me. <laughs> well, we're rooting for you at that event. And before we close, I wanted to give you an opportunity. You mentioned how Brandy Carlisle supports important social causes and, and yeah. you do as well. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have lent your, your, your voice and talents to, to the environment, to the arts, to indigenous causes. To, I mean, yeah. Talk a little bit about how you've been using your platform to, to help others. Absolutely. I think a huge part of the reason I make music is because I am passionate about everything and inspired by everything and also um, emotionally invested in the world mm -hmm. um, I hold a lot of um, empathy for everything and sadness for things and I feel like music is a way that I can redirect that energy in a way that can be lucrative in a way that can help causes and um, it's been an amazing thing for me to be able to take something like music that is so easy to become egocentric 
and I'm aware of that issue in music because it's my face everywhere. It's my mm-hmm. name everywhere. It's my music. It's me. It's my Instagram. And I'm constantly inundated with my face <laughs> and and me and, and promoting myself. And it's a way for me to take some of that and redirect it to causes that I believe in and do something good for other people, do something good for the environment. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really nice way to take something that can easily become so... Um, so self-centered in a way and make it more about everything else that I want to help in the world. Um, and I'm only done just little bits so far and I have so many plans and I'm finding ways that I can implement them along the way as I grow. Yeah. And yeah, it's been really amazing to get those opportunities to help other, th- other things and other people. And, um, yeah. Uh, so for the environment and, uh, this latest song that I released, Fearless Girl, is raising awareness for MMIW USA, which is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been partnered for this song, so 10% of all of the sales go to them. And then the music video is raising awareness for them. And um, they're doing amazing things to help these women, um, and there's not enough being done to help them. And they're uh, st- statistically at a much higher likelihood to go missing and to be hurt in their lives, and there's not enough being done to protect these women and uh it, it's heartbreaking to learn about it and i feel like as a person as a a white woman in this world it's something that i can do to at least help raise awareness to help provide a platform to lift up their voices um and in this weird way you know there's this issue that's facing a lot of women in mm-hmm. the world um, and my own experiences, and it was this one, this thread that was connecting us. And so this song that I wrote that was originally just about my experiences and the experiences of my best friend growing up um, became about the experiences of women around the world and not just women, um, men as well. And uh, it's become this thing that is so much bigger than me, and I couldn't be more happy about that. Um, it's been a really emotional journey and a really beautiful journey um, and I can't be more happy that it is now helping um, raise the voices of the most uh, marginalized community of women that, you know, they need that and they need that support right mm-hmm. now. And so I just, I couldn't be more grateful for that happening. <laughs> thank you for yeah. doing that. Um, thank you for coming in here. Tell us before we close uh, how people can learn more about your work, how they can find your music, listen to it, consume it. Maybe even buy it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a. <laughs> um, it's hard to buy music these days. It is uh, hard. Yeah. But uh, you can you can buy me music. We're about to start an online store, but you can find my music everywhere online: um, Spotify, iTunes, um, my website, um, and that's m a i a h w y n n e dot com. My name is kind of a weird spelling. Um, but I love yeah, the sticker everywhere. on your van. It has yeah. the pronunciation. <laughs> it does. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, we were getting, we've gotten a lot of really weird, really weird pronunciations. I think Miahaya was the... Miahaya, that's Mia pretty Haya good. Was throwing the, in a bunch yeah. of extra syllables. <laughs> that was the weirdest one I got. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Maya, thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. You just have wisdom and grace beyond your years, and we're thank really you. excited Um one that you've shared your talents with Switchback Records here. One of your songs was on their first release. And um, yeah, it's just all the best. And we were Thank excited you. to see what lies ahead in your career. 
Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful being here. You're awesome. All right, and now we give you a special bonus track from Maya. Enjoy some more of her amazing music right now. that one was super fun i think we'll be hearing much more from maya in the years to come so stay tuned okay coming up next week we have the final episode in our sea change series and we sort of close where we started with a conversation with university of montana regents professor of history anya jabor this time anya is joined by her colleague professor beth hubble director of the university of montana's women's gender and sexuality studies program stay tuned for that conversation next week Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. 
These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps, executive producer Stefan Borsum, and interns Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word. Be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.